poor, whether the the force, where they are forced there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now that time was the season of ripe grapes. So Moses is saying, okay, this is what God has for us. He's taken us through all of this. He's taken us through being slaves in Egypt for 400 years. He's taken us out of that. He's taken us away from Pharaoh's soldiers who sought to kill us. He's taken us through the Red Sea by miracles and parting it. He's taking us into a land that is much better than we could possibly imagine. Now go and check it out and let me know what it's going to take to get to the next step. You know, I think it's important to recognize in your life when you're standing in one spot and getting ready to go to a next one, to look and see what's the next step. What do I need? What is it going to take to go into the next place that I need to go, that God's telling me to go? I think oftentimes we just kind of fumble forward. We just kind of go, right? We just hit the next thing because it's the next thing in front of us. We just go and look at the next thing because, well, that's what's coming down the path in life. Instead of looking out to see what God has for us, we take things as they come to us. And that's not what Moses is doing, and that's not what God is telling Moses is doing. He's saying, I have a path and plan for you. This is what I have for you, and it's good, and it's great. Now go see what it's going to take to accomplish that. And instead of us sitting here saying, okay, what, God, what's the path, what's the plan that you have for me? Oftentimes, we just take things as they come to us, and instead of looking forward, we're just embracing what's happening. But God is a God of order, and He wants us to look forward into what He has for us. Now, there's danger in that, and we're going to see exactly what that looks like. But taking things as they come to you is not exactly the plans God has for you. Plans imply that there is something happening or going to happen in the future. That's what God has been talking about. And so when Moses sends them, he says, look at this, spy out the land. He's almost saying, create for me a road map of what it's going to take to get into Canaan, to conquer Canaan, to take this land because God gave it to us. But verse 21 says, So they went up and spied the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab near the entrance of Hamah. And they went through the south and they came to Hebron. Iman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes and carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. This place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So they go into this land that God says he's going to give them. They check out the land. And it's so good. Not only is it good, like we're not talking about going to the grocery store, which I... I love picking up those things of grapes and putting them in the freezer. It's like candy for me, frozen grapes. It's awesome. We're not talking about these small, little, succulent, amazing grapes. 
We're talking about one cluster of grapes that has to be carried between two men. Oftentimes we think it can't be as good as what God's saying until we see the fruit in front of us. Sometimes it's hard to believe how much good God wants in our life until we physically see the fruit in front of us. And so these 12 spies carry this stuff back to Moses and pomegranates. And I mean, can you imagine you're Moses, you're sitting there in the desert. And I mean, I know if you read Numbers, you read Exodus, they talk about wilderness. Okay, we have wilderness around here that I would much, 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 let me say much one more time, rather be a part of than the wilderness out there. It's the desert. Look on a map. There isn't much growing out there. You talk about their wanderings. Okay, they're complaining of no water. We don't have that problem here. It's awesome and green. They're wandering through the desert. And so Moses is sitting there waiting in the desert for what is going to happen, what God is going to give them. And these spies come back with pomegranates and grapes the size of your face to tell him this is exactly the land that God was describing to us. This is exactly the plan that he had for us. Look at what he wants to give us. It's amazing. Can you imagine what the spies, what the people would have said if they just knew that this is awesome? Sometimes we look and we want to see what God is going to produce without understanding how we're going to get there. Because right after they bring it back, they start to talk about the obstacles. So they bring this great fruit back. They tell Moses, this is a land truly flowing with milk and honey. This is a land that's so much better. And in verse 28, they say this. They say, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in this land south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountain, and the Canaanites that dwell in the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people and said, Let us not go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But, verse 31, the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And we gave the, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which had been spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in the land are men of great stature. There we saw giants the descendants of Anak, and came from, who came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. This is what God has, flowing with milk and honey. I, want, I really want a better metaphor to be able to translate that today. Like I'm thinking Hawaii, and, and really, I was thinking about Hawaii, and Willie totally ruined that for me this morning. <laughs> Because that does not sound like a land flowing with milk and honey anymore. That sounds like crazy. That sounds like, you know, children's church is dismissed. It sounds like Disneyland <laughs> with crowds and waiting in lines and all these things. It doesn't sound all that amazing. It doesn't sound like the land I just, 
I want God to give me. Because I want a better metaphor. I want it. I want to know exactly what God has. So when God says Canaan is that good, and they send spies in, and they come back and they realize that Canaan is that good, they don't focus on what God wants to give them. They focus on how it's going to be done. And they look at it and they say, we can't accomplish that. These people are too big. You know, they, they talk about cities, just a little bit about cities. If they were in camps, there's no fortification. They can come and raid them at night. It's an easier task to take a camp than it is a city, right? And we're going to look as we get into Joshua more and more cities with walls. And, you know, there's a famous one called Jericho. And it's, it creates a lot of problems for them. But instead of looking at the promise of God, they looked at the problem at hand. And I think so often we look at the problem at hand and not the promise of God. So often I believe that God wants to bless us. He wants to guide us. He wants to show us the next beautiful big steps that he has for our life. And we look at the obstacles and we say, God, those are giants. You know what's funny? There's a couple times in the Bible that giants are mentioned, right? The most famous one is Goliath. So, I mean, it's, it, it's been talked about so many times in churches. It's, it's so amazing. I mean, really and truly, at this point, should we not understand, if we read something about giants, should we not just go, God's got that. Goliath came down. And in this time, we, they should have known, God's got this. We should have known this. Sometimes I think it's, it's easy to look back into stories like this into the Old Testament and go, how, how would they not know? Like, really, wouldn't it be, if, if I was there, I'd try to put my, my feet in their shoes. Like, if I was there, I would have been like, I just saw God part the Red Sea. Like, seriously, giants? Who cares? We just, like, left Egypt and it, the Bible says that they looted Egypt. Like, they stole all kinds of stuff. They're rich in the desert. Is this a problem to take the land? No, if I was, I'd be like, come on. Let's go do this. Like, Caleb, like, let's go do this. But translate that to today. Into our own shoes and situation. And we find ourselves so many times lost. We find ourselves looking out at the promises of God. We find ourselves looking at his calling on our life and what we know he wants to do for us and through us and in us and for us. And instead of looking at that, we look at all the giants and the obstacles and say, God, I can't do that. To which I say, good. Listen, if you can do it on your own, it's not God's big provision. The task has to be bigger than what you can physically do yourself because if you do it yourself, you get, you get all the glory and God gets none. <laughs> let's, 
Let's have a little personal thought experiment. Nobody raise hands because I'm about to condemn something here. And I'll put myself out there. So many times I think in your life, how many times have you seen something happen that was so good and you think that it was so great and was so amazing and you're like, look what I did. And the next time you get up and you're like, oh, look what I did. And then you come up against something that's bigger and you're like, I can't take care of that. Well, of course you can't take care of that. You didn't do it in the first place. Don't take credit. Listen, don't take credit for God's miracles in your life because it will get you into trouble when you look at where he wants to take you because you're not big enough to take it. Only he is. That's why it's there in the first place. If Canaan was empty, God wouldn't get any glory. If he didn't have to send spies out and see the magnitude of it, how would God get any glory and blessing? If it's not big enough in your life for you to get scared and have to look up to him and say, God, I'm scared, then it's not big enough in the first place. God wants more for you than what you can accomplish on your own. That is scripturally all through the Bible. If you can do it on your own, he gets no glory. And so what happened to these spies? We're not there yet, but there's two of them that actually dissent, not just one of them. Caleb's not the only dude that's like, we can take this. Okay, Joshua, who the next book's named after, takes the dissent too. But what 10 of these spies did was look back on what God had done and do one of two things, forget it or say he's not big enough for the next step. Now, how many times do you look back and say, we did this ourselves or God's never been with me. I don't see his hand working in my life. I don't see his hand doing this every single step of the way. I can tell you by the very fact that you're sitting here today, God has been working in your life, is working in your life, and will work in your life in the next seconds, hours, days, and years to come. He will always be working in your life. And if you do not give him credit for that, you will not be able to take the next steps that he wants you to take. Now, I love the Old Testament because you can look at things like Canaan and you can say, oh man, this, the metaphors for this are so amazing. But let's look at the actual position that they're in. There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Israelites. And they are led by a really, really smart leader named Moses. And they have tactically gone out of Egypt through the wilderness and he has kept them alive doing so many things. And all Moses has done is tried to follow what God said. And so many times I think we look at who we're following and we say, I, I don't know if, it's, if he's good enough to take it. I don't know if that person can accomplish what's set in front of us. And instead of these people having such a problem with God, <laughs> They have such a problem with the leadership of Moses. And unfortunately, that happens a lot. So what does Moses have to do to get them to continue on? 
he has to point them back to God. He has to point them back to who he follows. That's why we, Kevin and I can stand up here and talk to you guys all day long, every single day. We can, get, we can have multiple Sunday services where we just preach 24-7. Do not have confidence in who we are. Have confidence in who we're following. Because we will let you down. We don't want to. We try really hard. But we're fallible, right? I just had a slide up. I was confusing to everybody because I'm fallible. And I try to do better every time. But have confidence in who I'm following. I point you back to Jesus. Moses points them back to God and who they're following. And fortunately, two of them listen. Caleb and Joshua. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the rest of the country doesn't listen. See, sometimes I think we are so close to what God wants for us. We are so close in taking the next step that God wants us to take in our life. And it is such a step of faith that if we won't take it, we will languish in the desert for years and years and years because that's what happened. They refused to take this next step of faith and take Canaan, which God says, I'm giving you. Not go fight for it. God says, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. Here's the gift. And they're saying, we can't take the gift. It's too scary. And so they languish in the desert. And so often, I think we languish in the desert just because we're so afraid to take that next step. Is the ground underneath us going to be solid? Is there going to be challenges? Is there going to be something that you cannot overcome? Is it going to be safe? Is it going to be easy? Is it going to be... Probably not any of those things. But is it what God wants? And if, if it is what God wants, it doesn't matter how scary it is, it doesn't matter how unsafe it is, and it doesn't matter how unsure you might be, because it's what God wants, and if you are in His will, there is no safer place than you could possibly be. What these spies said wasn't lies. It was true. But they forgot about who had already given them the land. And you are forgetting, if you're not ready to take that next step of faith, you're forgetting about who said, I'm already giving it to you. No, it's not easy. Yeah, it might be hard. Yeah, it, it might be scary. There might be obstacles, and you might think that you look like a grasshopper among giants. It's still what God is giving you. It's still His to give. The battle is always God's. God is bigger than what you are looking at right now. I was praying this morning, and, you know, it, it, honestly, there's so many things that are bigger than what I am right now, right? We're, we're, Kevin and I are talking about the church, and there's places that we know that the church is going to go, and that it's bigger than us. Like, it's, it's bigger than what we have, than what we can do. It's, it's bigger than what I can do. I look at all kinds of different obstacles in my life. They're bigger. And they're scary. And I look at I can't accomplish that on my own. And somebody here is, they're in the same boat. You're looking at something and you're thinking, I cannot accomplish this on my own. 
I can't take that next step on my own. I know where God wants me to go, but I don't know that I can do this. Good. Did I make you all feel safe right there? Good. Because, see, there was two paths that they should have taken. One was taking a step out in faith and saying, I don't know how it's going to happen, but God, you said it's going to happen, so help me take that faith and give us this land. One would have let them all enter a promised land. The other left them languishing in the desert. And as your pastor, I want to look at this text and communicate to you, I don't want you to languish in the desert. I don't know what's happening in all of your lives. I wish I knew more. But I do know this. Some of you are waiting to make a decision between what you know God has and is really scary and to wait. And if you wait, He will let you wait. But you are never going to get into the promises God has for you. You can trust the promises of God. The only way you can do that is if you take your step of faith and you give Him credit for what He's already done. Stop taking credit. Don't do it. It's His. You know, throughout the Bible, many, many times, God says, I'm very jealous for the credit. Why? Not because he's so egotistical that he wants all the credit and all this. No, because he wants what's best for you. And if you cannot accomplish these things on your own, and if you continue to take credit for yourself, you're going to get to the point where you look at giants and say, God, I can't do this. And maybe at that point, God will say, finally, look at me. Look what all I've done. Give yourself and your life back to him. Give your future and your future steps back to Him. No matter what Canaan might look like, step into it anyway. The book of Joshua opens up after an entire generation who refused to enter the land has died off. And Joshua is the new leader. Moses didn't even get to go. But Joshua does because he believed God. He wanted to go in. No matter how hard it was going to be, he wanted to go in. In Joshua chapter 1, God is talking to him. And he's telling him to go. He's telling him to keep his word inside him. Keep being faithful. Keep his life grounded in who God is. Keep the faith in him. And he says this in verse 5. He says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this people shall you shall divide as an inheritance in the land which I swore to their fathers and gave you. Only be strong and very create, courageous, that you may observe to do according to the law of God, which Moses my servant commanded. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper forever wherever you will go. Notice, let's make this connection. This is my final point today. God says, Joshua, take this land. I'm giving it to you. He makes no mention of how big an obstacle is or how massive the cities are or things. He says, no, no one will stand against you. Now be strong and courageous. Not in the face of people. Be strong and courageous to root yourself in my word and in who I am. 
And so often we look at the obstacle and say, God, I'm going to be strong and courageous, courageous and take that down. No, be strong and courageous. And that means being strong and courageous in who God is. There is something now happening in each one of your lives and you're ready to take that step. You can only be strong and courageous in who God is, not in who you are, but what he will do in and through you and what he wants to give. Let's pray. Father, so often it is so confusing because we've, right, we've, we've given ourselves credit for what you've already done in our lives, Lord, but you, you want so much more than what we can accomplish ourselves for us. You are our rock. You are the one that will have victory, Lord. You are the one that we need to be strong and courageous in, and you will give us the land. Help us to step forward. Help us to be in your will. Help us to be strong enough to say, I will give this to you. Whatever that is this morning, I invite you as we are coming to do communion this morning that, that you would take a moment and, and just consider giving whatever that is to him and making a covenant with him today that, Lord, I'm going to be strong and courageous with you. I'm going to be strong and courageous in your word. I will stand in you no longer am I going to stand on my own, and I don't want to languish in the desert. So let me take hold of what your promises are. We lift this up, we pray in Jesus' name, and every heart said, Amen.